Today, we have a guest in our studio who left his homeland of Cuba 10 years ago at the age of 24. We're going to hear the story about what caused him and his family to risk everything in search of a better life. I'm your host, Leah. And I'm Phil. And I'm Steve. Today, we're going to learn about the life of Mr. Jorge Terral. If you have an appetite for the strange and bizarre, then pull up a chair and grab a spoon for another intriguing serving of Remnant Stew. Remnant Stew is gluten-free, organic, made from all natural, free-range ingredients and guaranteed to provide the recommended daily serving of curiosity. We want to welcome you to our studio, Mr. Terrell. Do you mind if we call you Jorge while we're chatting? Yes, sir. That's I prefer Jorge. Yes, sir. Very it's good. My, it's my pleasure to be here. Very good. We're grateful that you've agreed to spend some time with us today. Um, before we jump right into your story, I thought it would be good for, for us and for our listeners to kind of go over some background information about your home country of Cuba. Right. Uh, and it helps me practice my teacher skills since I you know, <laughs> haven't had to scratch those a little bit. Cuba is the largest island in the Caribbean Sea, roughly the size of Pennsylvania. The country is home to some 11 million people. Cuba actually has a negative population growth according to the CIA.gov, that's a CIA.gov, has facts about all countries around the world. Um, a negative population growth, I mean, they're actually de- decreasing in population. And this is thought to largely be due to the numbers of residents, like our guest here, uh, who are leaving the island uh, in most any way that they can. Um the, by the way, if anything that I say here, Jorge, if you want to jump in and make sure. a comment, you can you can absolutely do that. Yeah, the island was inhabited by three different native tribes when Columbus landed on the north coast in October twenty eighth of fourteen ninety two. About twenty years later, in fifteen eleven, the Spanish conquistadors began colonizing the island. Soon, they began importing slaves from Africa to work in their sugar and coffee plantations. Uh, Most of the natives actually died out due to diseases that were carried by the Europeans. Cuba would remain a Spanish colony for nearly 400 years from that original time of 1511 all the way up into nearly 1900. By the mid-1800s, more than half a million slaves worked Cuba's sugarcane plantation. By 1860, produced one-third of the world's sugar. And that's such a hot commodity at the time. Right. It's extremely valuable. Um, though the slave trade would end in 1865, slavery itself would n- would not be abolished in Cuba until 1886, and uh, that came about as agriculture became more mechanized, so not as much use uh, need for slave labor, I suppose. But then that left a large part of the population in severe poverty, with little work and few resources. By the late 1800s, many in Cuba began calling for national independence from Spain. The Spanish responded by doubling down on agricultural taxes and refusing to allow Cuban autonomy. They did promise to invest in reforms in Cuba, but they never followed through on these promises. Now, news of uh, Spanish atrocities in Cuba spread to the United States during the late uh, 1800s, 1890s. According to Britannica.com, what they called yellow journalism, uh, that uh, that was based on uh, sensationalism and crude exaggeration, notably in the newspapers owned by the William Randolph Hearst uh, Corporation, stirred up anti-Spanish sentiment uh, in the United States against uh, against the Spanish. Uh, right about that time, there was a mysterious explosion 
on the USS Maine, which was uh, happened to be in the harbor at Havana, uh, and uh, actually sunk. Uh, that was in February of 1898, and uh, that uh, caused people to think that the Spanish had actually sunk the ship. Later was determined, I think it was maybe a boiler that exploded. But the, <laughs> right, or, yeah. At the, at the yeah. time, they didn't know that. And so that and was sparked the, off that. Sparked the United States and uh, Spanish, actually called the Spanish American War. War. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was a very brief war. And uh, as a result of which, the United States forces captured Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines. The war ended uh, by the Treaty of Paris on December 10th, 1898. This treaty granted independence to Cuba. However, American troops occupied the island for another four years. The Platt Amendment in 1901 gave the United States some oversight of the Cuban government and also allowed the United States to establish a naval base at Guantanamo Bay, which the United States still owns. Gitmo. That's right. Elections were held in Cuba for the first time, and they had their first Republican elected government took office in 1902. Uh, unfortunately, for the next 30 years, government leaders were often corrupt and mismanaged the country's resources. A revolution against the corrupt leaders occurred in 1933 and saw the rise to power of a military leader named Fulgencio Batista. 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 That's right. Okay. Now, for the next 26 years, Batista either directly or indirectly was the head of Cuba's government. At first, it appeared that he was quite reform-minded as his government policies were relatively sound and the economy of Cuba flourished. In addition to sugar and other agricultural products, Cuba developed a thriving tourist trade. Havana's hotels, casinos, and nightclubs attracted thousands of American tourists each year. By the mid-1950s, though, Batista began jailing his political opponents, using strong-arm tactics to impose his will and make fortunes for himself and his associates. In essence, he became Cuba's dictator. Still, the economy of Cuba thrived throughout the 1950s, especially in the urban areas, but a sizable number of the country's poor rural population became dissatisfied. They were ripe to be harvested by the energetic revolutionary Fidel Castro. Castro had been one of those political opponents thrown in jail by Batista in 1952. Three years later, he was released. Along with his brother, Raul, he went to Mexico to plan the overthrow of Cuba's government. Upon returning to Cuba, he headed to the mountains and built a base there of several several hundred guerrilla volunteers. At the same time throughout Cuba, numerous groups of university students and members of labor unions began protesting the Batista regime. The U.S. pulled its support away from Batista, and he fled on January 1, 1959. And immediately, Castro and about 800 supporters marched into Havana and took control of the government. They quickly forged a following among poor peasants, urban workers, youths, and idealists. The Communist Party of Cuba assumed the dominant political role, and the state modeled itself on the Soviet bloc countries of Eastern Europe, becoming the first socialist country in the Americas. The regime progressively dissolved the capitalist system in Cuba by establishing a centrally planned economy, collectivizing agricultural production, forming ties with the Soviet Union, and dissolving labor unions, political parties, and associations of professional workers and farmers. Castro also nationalized hundreds of millions of dollars worth of U.S. property and private business. This triggered the U.S. to set a trade embargo against Cuba and also to cut off all diplomatic ties. It also led to an escalation of tensions between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, 
particularly when the Soviets tried to place missiles in Cuba in 1962. I think that was the you same. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> the same year, I was barely alive, but I knew it was going on the same year of the uh, um, Bay of Pigs invasion when the yeah. U.S. tried to topple Castro. It you were poorly planned and poorly executed. You were yeah. barely alive, but you, yeah, <laughs> but you, alive, but but you I, remember it, right? I remember people talking about it, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't alive at the time, but I, I remember <laughs> I know about it. Right. Uh, bolstered by their Soviet ties, Cuba tried to spread their brand of social socialism to other countries in Latin America and in Africa. However, most countries refused to have dealings with Castro. Cuba became dependent on economic support from their Soviet and Eastern Bloc trade partners. But by the early 1990s, the USSR was bankrupt and communist governments in most locations collapsed. This left Cuba isolated. Amid severe internal shortages and with unrest and dissatisfaction growing, Castro declared a, quote, special period in peacetime, unquote, of food <laughs> rationing, energy conservation, and reduced public services. Yeah, in, in other words, not during, we're not having wartime rationing, we're having a special yeah. peacetime rationing because uh, all of our support from Russia has disappeared. Basically. That's right. So unemployment. That never ends. Yeah, yeah still. it's still in, in place, right? Unemployment increased. There were shortages of food, medical supplies, and raw materials, and fuel. Uh, were, all of those shortages were exacerbated by the ongoing U.S. trade embargo as well. Fidel Castro died in 2016, and his brother Raul stepped down as leader in 2018. Nevertheless, a new constitution in 2019 reaffirmed communist dominance through the continuation of a single party grounded in socialist principles. There's been some thawing of the relations between U.S. and Cuba. The U.S. reopened its embassy in Havana in 2015, and President Obama visited the following year. But the trade embargo remains mostly in effect. Uh, short, supply shortages and lack of opportunity makes daily life for most of the citizens of the island nation difficult. Uh, would you agree with uh, that assessment, Lori? Perfect. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could have done better. I mean, it's just... Really, really good. Okay. okay. Very good. Well, um, so let's talk about your story. Um, can you tell us when and where were you born? I was born in Cienfuegos. It's a city close to Havana. It's okay. at, um, I would say, two hours um, from Havana. Okay. It's in the center of the island. Right. Um, pretty beautiful city to the south. Kind of in the mountains? So, or is so, it? Yeah. Kind of close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sinfor has all everything, I guess. He got agricultural, he got beautiful mountains, and he got beautiful beaches. Mm. It's a beautiful place. Okay. And, and so, how old are you? Like, what year were you born then? Uh, what year were you born? 1989. 1989. 1989. Okay. Yeah, 1989. Okay. So, you're 34 right now, basically. 30, yeah. Yeah, 34. 30, about 34. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I born in that period of time that they start it was pretty tough, right. I guess, for my family. I didn't, as a child. I didn't yeah, as a child, you don't really you know. Didn't yeah. much. So tell us about your family a little bit. How, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I only have one sister. Okay. Um, I'm actually, I'm the only one for my dad. Okay. Um, my sister um, was with another. Okay. It's not right. for my dad. She had a different um, father. Than, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. half sister. So um, my dad used to be in one of the branch of the government. Um, I kind of compare him like a detective. Okay. So he he was all his life on doing that. Um, 
So he worked for your your father worked for the government. Yes, okay. actually, yes. Like a like a detective, like a police detective, yes. sort of. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So um, was that like on a local level, or was it for the you know for the it, whole city? Actually. The whole city of the okay. yeah. He he ending he ending being like a like the boss of the half city in okay. that branch. So he support that government with all his life. So he supported the government. Yes. Yeah, it, yes. They were paying him. So, <laughs> I, so I basically grew up in a socialist family. Right. So, but my mom, she started realizing that it's, it wasn't enough, the money that they get paying with the job. Right. So she kind of like start doing things on the side, uh-huh. like side work. Side right? work, right. But in Cuba, the side work is not legal. Not legal to do that. That's the only thing. You can only do the work the government assigns for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And okay. the thing is that the government knows, they know that you have to do those side work, which are illegal. Right. Again. They know that you have to do it to be able to live. To survive. To survive. But right. they make it illegal to do it. Yes. Wow. And that's one of the first, I guess that's the main weapons that they got against the people because science they know that right that you are doing things wrong to be able to survive they use that to have controls over you wow so So, so was that part of your father's job then to like investigate people doing side work and that his detective works no no the side my dad's job was more criminal okay criminal work okay like yeah um, people who kill sorry people yeah, and yeah. Okay. Ra- things like that. So but, then your mother, then she's doing some side work to make more money, even though that's illegal to do. Yes. Okay. And then it's kind of funny because my dad, he cannot know that that my my mom. He was, knew she was doing illegal work. No, he, no, he, he she he kept it secret. Know. He had to keep yeah. it a secret. Oh, she didn't. He didn't dad. know. Yeah. yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know. Okay. He didn't know because if he know that, right. I mean, would it be bad? <laughs> right. So she kept that a secret from from her from her husband. So, um, me growing up, um, we get to the point that I have to help her. Okay. Because she used to work in the, the store, close the store. Uh huh. Like um, like a drift in here, for example, like um, like a Billington store, for example, like like a clothing store. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, what she used to to do is nothing bad or mm-hmm. anything. She used to get the the clothes in one price, lower right. price, pay it out, mm-hmm. and then sell that same clothes somewhere else, expensive. Okay. So she was not stealing anything. Right. She was paying. She was buying at a low price money. and selling it higher. Yeah. Okay. It's just free market, I guess. In, okay. <laughs> in this exactly. world. Which they're not right. supposed to have a free market, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So that's why they make illegal that. Right. So, um, but I had to help her. That's growing up. And when I finally get my age to be able to work, I was around 14 years old. Uh-huh. Um, I started realizing. How bad was everything there? I mean, yeah. how hard was to get money? We'll come back to that in a second. Tell us, what about school? Did you go to a school in Cuba? Yes. Actually, school is free. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be free. Right. It's really not free because they don't pay you money. Right. So, 
the money is like, I would say Cuba has the most tax percent in the whole world. The highest percentage of of tax? Yes. They don't call it taxes because they don't take it off your money. They simply just don't give it to you. Oh, they, they take it before you even get yes. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so if you're supposed to get paid $100, you only get $20. Like, like for example, like a doctor in Cuba, the most, like uh, just a regular doctor in Cuba, yeah. you get around 40 bucks, $40. Okay. Uh-huh. That's all. Per mm. month. Per month. Yeah. $40 wow. per month. Yeah. Mm. So, like, if you're going to buy Coke, for example, in Cuba, uh-huh. it's a dollar. Oh, wow. Oh. That's that's a that's a big chunk of your monthly so, salary if you're yeah. only getting forty dollars. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so tell me what was your home like? I mean, where did you live? Did you have ele- I mean, how did did your it's did you fire- have electricity? Did yes. you have okay? Yes, because I can't even imagine yeah. being able to afford that. Well, it's it's even hard when you have to afford food. Sure. Right. Clothes, shoes. Yeah. I mean, that that's why they force you. To do illegal things to be able to, right. to live, right? Like a doctor, he has to do things more to be a doctor to be able to survive. Sure, absolutely. So even a doctor, even yeah. a doctor, yes, yeah. yes. So um, that's why they got control. Mm-hmm. Still, that's still happening in Cuba today's days. Mm-hmm. That's nothing that it was. No, that's still happening today's days. The same way. What did your What did your house look like? Growing up, were you in a house or an apartment? Or it was an apartment complex? It was an apartment complex, okay. Um, was owned that that apartment where I used to live was owned for my sister's dad. Ah, so when he left, uh, he 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 lived that apartment to my mom and my sister, mm-hmm. and then I let it on. I burned there, so that's where I grew up. Right. Okay. So that that was my mom. My sister, it would it would be my house. It would it be my daughter's house. Uh-huh. It's the same house, right? For everyone, you stay, okay, yeah. right? Because there's no way to buy a new house or things like that, right? Because it's very expensive, yeah. right? Did it have like one bedroom, two bedrooms, two bedrooms, two bedrooms? Um, for my mom, my dad, my sister, I mean, uh-huh. okay, okay. And then when my sis- my sister is older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she so she's she, older than you. Yes, is her her father's different than your father. Yes. Okay. So uh, when my brother-in-law get to home, mm-hmm. they finally marry. So I had to move. I used to sleep with my sister. Uh-huh. I had to. Uh, I moved to my mom and dad's room. Okay. So that way my sister can have the room that with her husband. Yeah. Her, yeah. Right. So yeah. it was pretty tight. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of space. It's hard to imagine. You know, yeah, it was pretty tight was pretty uh, small spaces. So you're growing up and you're in school, uh, but you're in, you're, you're getting like 14 or so and you're going to realize, well, I'm, my I, mom's having to work extra jobs that she's not supposed to do just to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, just to put food on the table for, for us. And so, and now you're 14, you're going to help you kind of help her in that. So, yep. In in that timing, you're beginning to realize what does the future look like for you in, in Cuba, you know. And that was my first, my main question. And actually, I did try to get a solution mm-hmm. because I, I love baseball. You love baseball, and uh, baseball is very popular in Cuba. Right? Yes, right. and then there is a lot of people that play baseball that get uh, a better life because they can get 
they can get to get out there. Right. Right. We've like to come here, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've yeah, had, we've for got... the Houston Astros, we have the yeah. Yuri Gurriel that was from so, Cuba, I believe, right? So that's that's was kind of my first idea mm-hmm. to start playing baseball. Right. And I used to be a good player baseball there. Right. But I do get a lesson in my shoulder mm. that I couldn't play anymore when I get to college. I see. So uh, I had to get surgery, and they tell me a, a lot of things that needs to be done. That of mm-hmm. course it can't be done there. Yeah, because the free and the health in Cuba, they say is free. Okay, they say the medical care is free. It's yeah. free, but it's really bad. It's very bad, bad quality. So if you like, he needs no, no he needs soldier surgery. No, not gonna happen. Like for example, like my sister, she needs to get surgery uh, because she got something on the. Um, I don't know how to say in English. Well, she had to get surgery, okay. but. We had to send her from here everything mm-hmm. that that way they can use it to uh, with so, her. So you mean you had to send her stuff from the United States yes. to Cuba? Well, well, normally it's in the room. Yeah. To uh, the surgical make, equipment. Yes, everything. Right. We had to send it from here to there. Scalpels and you know everything, <laughs> even gloves. Gloves. Oh goodness! Wow. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So, so they just don't have it there. They don't have it. Yeah, they don't have it. So, what's the point to be free if you're gonna be dying there? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, so, so then you're 14. You think, okay, maybe I can play baseball and make a better life for myself. And you get what about 18, 19? And you realize, oh, oh, hurt my shoulder, and yep. there's no solution for that. So, when I, when I was 19, my daughter's born. Your first daughter. My born, first yeah. daughter born. Right. Yeah. So, it was a big challenge yeah. for me. Like a teenager, right? Um, nowhere to go. Um, it wasn't the best decision, but it was, it was what it was, I guess. Right. And I, I'm proud of her. Right. Uh, I, I can't, I can't be more happy. Right. With my daughter, she is awesome. Right. And. But you're stuck as a 19 year old. Yes. There's no way to provide for her. Hardly. Yep. Right. It was pretty hard. So I have to go. I have to get out. I have to forget about play baseball. Get surgery. I have to go work. You had to figure something else out. Yep. So, were there jobs offered to you in Cuba? I started working in a warehouse store. Uh huh. So, um, it didn't make good money mm-hmm. by the government, but I do have access to a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that I can resell it. Okay, just so you, you start doing the same so, thing, same like, thing, your, same mom thing your mother was doing, right? Yeah, yeah. just to so, be able to survive. Right, so it's kind of a what we would say in English, uh, the black market. Yep, you know? yep, right. yep. Yeah. So, and all that was in secret of my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The secret side hustles. Yep. Right. I mean, it's pretty tricky because it's a small apartment. Yeah. Not much place to hide things, I would yep. think, yes. And then, well, the, the good thing and the bad thing is that he always was working. Uh-huh. So... He wasn't home much. He wasn't uh, home much. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think he kind of knew, but just didn't, I guess so. But didn't really want to look too into yes, it. Yes, I right? guess so. I Looked guess. the other way. We yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. He, he is. Um, my dad. He is a pretty good guy. Hmm. Yeah. But he, like, the, that old generation. Right. They grew up with that mentality. Right. The Kemnins, <clears throat> and they is it's like. They see what's happening, but they don't want to see it. Right. So 
They don't want to admit that what they believed in yes. isn't working. Yes. So, like, today's days, I talked to him about it, and he say, I know you're right, but don't tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, that's interesting. It's kinda... So, as you're growing up there, then, do you hear about the United States as a, as a child in Cuba? Do you hear anything about it or not? Well, by that time, pretty much every friend or every known person has someone related here. Okay. They start immigrating right. um, from the 50s to here. Mm -hmm. So we got to get no person going back there showing money. Right. Showing better clothes and go, going to hotels. Like, for example, something that um, I would I I I mention with you was telling your um, resume there uh -huh. that hotels in Cuba, they were made for just the tourists. So local right. can't go to the hotel? Can't. No. Even if you got the money, you wow. are not allowed to go. Not there. allowed to go. Oh, yeah. just for the tourists. Yes. That changed. That changed um, around 15, 2015. 2015, like right. Yeah. That's not too old. That right. Change. But so. even if you got money, you can't go. The only way that you can go to hotels if you got a family that comes from here to there mm -hmm. and they pay for it. So the family comes and stays yes. in a hotel. Then they pay for you to come. You can stay at the family there. Otherwise, you're not allowed to go to the hotel. So I kind of realized that, that. That's very limiting on people's movement yes. and their freedom, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no freedom there. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. And yeah. that's when I started realizing that something was wrong. Right. I mean, it's just common sense. Why they can and why I can't. Yeah. That so makes sense. So you start realizing you you hear about people in the United States, friends of uh, family members of friends you know they say hey life is better in the United States. So you, you start thinking about well maybe I should try to try to go there. You're like in your early twenties then now, right? So around eighteen when I start realizing yeah really really bad I guess yeah how what how, how bad it was I should say mm -hmm. and I start working there and. Um, when I was around 23, mm -hmm. a cousin tell me, come to my home, and we always talking about, right? And he said, well, I have a choice. I have a way to get to the United States. You have a way to get to, your cousin told you, you have yes. a way to get to the United States. Okay. And I said, well, I said, just tell me. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, he said, well, it's going to cost you a lot of money, but it's the only way that we can get safe, a little bit safe, mm -hmm. to there. Okay. Basically, um, we were trying to fly to Ecuador because Ecuador was the only country that allows Cuban to fly without any visa. So you could you could fly from Cuba to Ecuador. Yes. All right. Yes. So we basically start selling everything. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's back up for just a minute. So who is this? Uh, your daughter was born. Yes. And is her mother with you? I mean, did no. No, okay. No, no, no. no. Um, we get uh, separated when she was two. Okay, yeah. okay. And then okay. I marry my current wife. Okay, so you were married at the yes. time that you started thinking about. Yes, right. Okay. okay. And so were you thinking about just you and your wife and, and your cousin or whatever? Who all were, was planning this trip to? Just me and my cousin. You and okay. your cousin. There's, there's not enough money for me and my wife together. Okay, 
Okay, so, so the plan was for you to go ahead and yes, try to get to first. America. Yeah. Then right. okay, and then that so, happens a lot. So when you're right? talking about a doctor's only making forty dollars a month, and then you're trying to scrape up money for a plane ticket from Havana to uh, Ecuador, it that, cost me about six hundred bucks. Six hundred dollars. That took yes. a while to save up that. Money. Oh yeah. And then the trip, the whole trip, cost me around five thousand dollars. Wow! Oh. You had to save that. So, how long did it take you to save that kind of money? My whole, I mean, I had to sell everything. I had to put. I actually had to uh, uh, loan money from somebody else. You borrowed somebody, yeah. So, okay. I I ended up around, um, I would say three thousand. Okay. And I I was able to sell a couple of things that I. Just a couple of things that I got. Right. I basically leave my parents and my wife with nothing inside the house. Right. I sell everything. Everything. Just a fridge. That's the only thing that we live. She had a refrigerator and that's it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty tough. Right. <laughs> and then we were able to get the money and just get out there. It was... So you... I would say it was... It was the most tough decision that I ever made in my life. Sure. <laughs> You have it My Tried. family, my daughter, my wife, my land, my friends. Right. Everything behind. Right. I mean. But you knew there was no future there for you, or a very difficult or bleak future, at least, yeah. No future at all. Yeah. And no future. That's a place where there's no hope, no dreams. Hmm. There's nothing. Cuba, Cuban community is just zombies there. Zombies. They're just That's, existing, not really living. They 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 just go. They don't know. They don't know where to go. Yeah, they're like machines. They're just doing one thing and come back. That's it. Wow. That's sad. So you you so the day comes and you get on the airplane in to in Havana to fly to. to At this point, my dad he didn't he didn't know that I was coming to here. Okay. He he thought that he was I, I was going to Ecuador. Buy a couple of things and come back to resell in Cuba. So you told your father you're going to Ecuador and you kind of come back. That's what he, what I told him in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. And uh, that day, I told him this the truth. The day that you left. The day he went with me straight to the airport. Uh huh. And I told him the truth. And I, he, I, I thought he's gonna react like more furious against me. Right. But. His word was like, bring me back to life. He said, whatever you go, whatever you do, you're always going to be my son. Mm. Man, that's... That's good. That's great. So he was supporting your decision. <laughs> yes. and Even if he didn't like it, he was supporting it. Right. Yes. Well, the thing is that the government in Cuba always tell the children from daycare all the way to the college. Uh-huh. United States... Are bad, right? The government, the Cuban government, they're the goods. So they always tell the the yes. children of even school, the United States is bad. Yes, that doctrination comes from the first years. They're indoctrinated like that. So, um, I supposed to come to the bad place where the bad guys are, right? <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was kind of scary all the time to tell him the truth where right. where it's gonna be my um my goal to get and. Man, but he he bring me back to life, bring me back back hmm. to life that day. That's good. So so, what was the plan after Ecuador? So you get to Ecuador. What happens next? Walking, 
all the way to the United States. Which, walking. Oh, wow. oh goodness. Which, well, sometimes was walking, sometimes was in the bus. Right. Um, right, but okay. Just we basically have smog and small and smuggle people there mm-hmm. that right. supposed they call the the guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, professional smugglers basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what we would call a, a coyote. Coyote, yeah. coyote, yeah. yes. Yeah. Basically, that's what they are. Right. So we paid them to. We actually have two. One is going to bring it from Ecuador all the way to Mexico, mm-hmm. and then from Mexico, Mexico, there's another guy to bring us to the United States. And you're really putting your life. In their into hands. their hands. Oh yeah, because we've had we've had several instances here in Texas where well, uh, semi trailers have been found with. Well, the thing is, you don't know where you go. Yeah, or yeah. what you're yeah. gonna be going. Right. Exactly. You really <laughs> are. They, they they say, "Well, you're gonna be doing this now, and there's no way to go back." I mean, you gotta do it. Right. Yeah. The only safe, or I would say, the only insurance that we have is the money. Right. And the money we even have with us. We send them here to the United States. You sent it ahead. Yes. So they were paying from here all the way till we get here. Okay. So there was somebody here you yes. sent the money to. How did? How, how was the money sent? If you can tell, how was the sure. money sent? Yeah. Well, um, a friend of my cousin, mm. he went to Cuba, mm-hmm. and we give them the money in cash. Okay. So how he sent it from here to there, I guess um, – Western Union or... Tra- uh, yeah. I, I don't know, to be honest. Telegraph somehow, yeah. Okay. I don't know how that worked that time. Right. You just, you trusted them and it, it yes, worked. Yes, yes. Um, they were very good friends. That's actually the house where we get here. When when, when we get here, that's the house where we stay the first days. Right. Okay, so, so you make your way then through from Ecuador through Colombia, Central America, Mexico. Yes. To- I would say the worst, the worst countries was Colombia. Uh-huh. And Mexico. Right. Mm. Okay. Why were they the worst? The way that they trade us, like, there are cartels who move us. Okay. I mean, oh. yeah. for us, yeah. for me, it was really scared. I never see people with that kind of control. Right. They come with you with guns and body armors and right. cars, and they just talk to you like, you got to do it. Yeah. There's right. now a nice way. They, they didn't take anything in a nice way. Right. You're I mean, really a product to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're that's, a product. Yes, you're not that's, a human. That's how, that's how it is. Exactly like how, how it is. So then you get to Mexico, and then where do you come across to the United States? I came from Laredo, Texas. Laredo, Texas. Okay. And that time used to be a law that allows Cuban to go astray to the Border Patrol agents and mm-hmm. tell them that we are Cuban. And I... Ask for I want to ask for asylum. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yeah, you could ask for asylum from Cuba. Yes. So to the, to the to the border patrol agent in Laredo. So they takes us inside the building and start doing the process. They give us like interview. Why and ask for asylum? Why I'm here? Who I who what I used to do in Cuba? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just tell my story. And right. Right. <laughs> Did you have any identification showing you from Cuba? My passport. Your passport. Okay. My passport. Yeah. Okay. Um, I still haven't that old passport. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a, a keepsake for sure. Yeah, that's I still have my old passport. Um, so now, let me ask: Did you speak any English at this time? Not at all. Not a, not not a word. Zero. Okay. Zero English. Okay. When I get here, only the basic like "Good morning," right? "Good morning." Yeah. 
that's, that's because they teach us English in Cuba. Okay. In the school, but it's really bad. Nobody knows anything. Right. right. Just a va- very basic amount. <laughs> very basic. And most part of the time, you don't even pay attention to the class. Right. So, um, it took like three or four days there, and they released us with a parole. Mm-hmm. And that parole allows us to ask for a work permission. Okay. So, give you a way to be legal in here. To, so, yeah, to be able to work. So yes, right. to be able to work. Be able to work. <clears throat> so now, did you know? Well, you said your friend, your cousin's friend, lived in the United States. Then yes, were you trying to make your way to where he was? Then or that's that's that? a funny story. We get here um, <laughs> when we get when we get out of the border patrol building. They sent us to Houston in the bus. Okay, so they put you, put you on a bus to Houston. Yes, from was, from Laredo. From Laredo to Houston. Yes. Wow, that's a long. And way. it was December. December, right? Very, very cold right. for us. You probably haven't <laughs> been that cold before. Yeah. Never before. So yeah, I remember yeah. this was okay. 2013 it was one of the coldest years. One of the coldest years. Yeah, it yeah. was cold. Yeah. So um, the other thing is 2012. Was, yeah. In one point, I don't, I don't even know what city it was or what town it was. Uh, the bus stopped there, mm-hmm. and I I only have five dollars in my pocket. Right, and my cousin fifteen. Uh-huh. That's all the money that we got. Right, and we were trying to looking for a coffee, try to get warm. Uh huh. But we used to drink the espresso in Cuba. That's oh. the coffee that we drink. Yeah, we didn't drink the the whole cup. Right, like, just the little small cups of espresso, just a yeah. just espresso. The European style, yeah. yeah. And we were looking around. Where is the coffee here? Where is the coffee? Uh-huh. We find the machine, but they was a cup, a whole cup. Yeah, and we drink it without any cream, <laughs> no sugar. Yeah, because we didn't know what to yeah. put right. on. I mean, everything was in English, of course. Right. And but that, I, that coffee without anything. Help us a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was really cold. Yeah, I mean, really cold. Really, really cold. And when we cro- when we cross from Mexico uh, from Mexico to United States, uh, the cartels don't allow you to take you anything. Right. No backpacks. No extra clothes or anything. So you get nothing. Just what yes. you got on your on what you're wearing. Just basically. what you're wearing. Yeah. Um, we get to Houston uh, bus station. We tried to find a taxi. Mm-hmm. We got an address to go. It was an apartment complex. Uh-huh. Um, when we get there, it was raining. It was kind of not snowing, but like ice raining. Right. Oh, Sleet, yeah. yeah. Man, it was so cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And it took, like, took us like 45 minutes to find an apartment because we don't know anything about it. Yeah. We know the address and the apartment number right but we don't know how to look for the building numbers or anything like that took us like 45 minutes to find it Uh when we find it and we get there man that was so nice (laughs) so so somebody was waiting for you yes they were they were waiting for us yeah but they didn't they have no way because we had no cell phones or any way to communicate with them right let them know that we are here or anything like that so, was, so, so you, you knocked on the door. We knocked on the door. So I'm sure that you're wondering, okay, what did I do here? I've left my nice warm country that I was, you know, 
it wasn't good, but at least I was familiar with it and gone to this cold place and don't know anybody. Which I've never really thought of Texas as cold. But, but. Yeah, <laughs> comparing, comparison, but yeah, yeah. comparatively. Well, you, it can be cold for sure. Somebody yeah. from a more southern place than us. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, in Cuba all year is hot. Right. right. Like Canadians go to Cuba, not in summertime. Right. They go on wintertime. Wintertime, right. So it's, it's, it's too warm. Yeah. It's right. warm. Yeah. So for us, it was really big change. <laughs> so then kind of talk, take us through the process. So you get to this apartment, people are helping you. And so how long before you're able to, to start working here? Um, we actually started working illegally in a warehouse, 99 okay. cents warehouse. Okay. It was not illegal, I would say, but kind of it, because we showed them that we have a way yeah. to get the work permission in a few months. Right. So but, that, but you so just hadn't for, had it yet. Yes. Right. So um, they let us work in the 99 cents warehouse right. in Katy. Katy is a suburb of Houston, yeah. I know how to drive car because my dad used to have a car in Cuba. Uh-huh. So I, I, I know how you to drive. You learned how to drive, right? That was pretty good for me uh-huh. because um, most Cubans don't know how to drive. Really? They have a car. I mean, yeah. how I got in Cuba is like... We see pictures have, of Cuba. Have a jet in here. <laughs> yeah. And we see pictures of Cuba and the cars that we see are like from the 50s, you know, they're older Chevrolets that you yeah, see. Yeah, because, because the embargo, right. yeah, the embargo, uh, cars quit. Yeah, it prevented cars from being shipped yes, over there. Yes and, and no, actually. Okay. It's, okay. it's the government who don't want that. It's yeah. who? Oh, the, the government, government doesn't. Because okay. the government can get cars yeah. for rent, rentals. And right. Tourists and things like that. Why they don't get cars to sell the people in there? Okay. Right. That's right. What I'm saying. That's a way. So now that they're getting it. Yes, they are. So they say they're getting it, but they're yeah. crazy expensive. I bet. Right. Yeah. Like I would say, like for example, like to, to Toyota Corolla, mm-hmm. 2006. Yeah. They sell that car in there for a, around seventy thousand dollars. Okay. Oh goodness. Yes, it's yeah. crazy. Wow. It's crazy expensive. So they can get them, but it's expensive. They can get them. Yeah. yeah. Of course they can get them. So anyway, so you're starting to work here, and uh, did, did you go to school to learn English too or something? No. Zero. You, you, you picked – how did you – How did you? your English is so so good, I think. That's full uh, immersion. Yeah, well – You had to uh, learn. That was – I was being here around a year. That year already I've been mm-hmm. passed for different types of jobs, construction, um, in the jar, cutting jars, things like that. Right. Um, my wife came, actually. Yeah, I was going to get to her in just a minute. So. In that year. <laughs> and then I found, I was looking at job online. Trying, that's when I, tried, I started knowing a little bit more about the internet. I right. got my first computer in here, my first laptop. First time you'd seen been a, been, a, been on the on the internet when yeah, you got online, here. Yeah, online searching. Right? Yeah, yeah, I never seen that before in my life. Right. So I started getting into it. And I find a job on Craigslist. Uh, Craigslist, for, okay, yeah. for Directv. Okay. And when I called the guy, of course he's American. Uh-huh. We called it the Gringo. Yeah. <laughs> and he, of course, I didn't understand anything. And he, the only thing that I understand was wait from uh-huh. him. The, the word wait. And he found someone speak Spanish. Right. Antonio. Antonio. Um, Start talking to me if I got experience doing any cables. Well, I don't have experience. 
but I do want to work. I will right. do everything that I can to learn right. if you guys give me the opportunity to do it. Sure. Mm. Sure enough, they give it to me and start working with Antonio. Uh, that was with DirecTV? DirecTV, yeah. yeah. I was training for like two months mm-hmm. on the field with them. And I learned the basic English for the work. Uh-huh. And that first week when I started doing, going by myself, right. I'm never going to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> never. Because the thing is, when you go to inside a customer house, that customer... Usually, like you talk to me, for example, and right. start talking about things. He, that customer is expecting to you to speak with him to explain better sure. or how you're doing, yeah. where you live, or what, what their problems are. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. normal communication, right? Uh, I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> right. I wasn't prepared. I was just prepared just to give this is your box, this is your TV, and this is your remote. <laughs> <laughs> So, I should yeah. point out here that uh, I met Jorge a couple of months ago when he came out to install the new internet at my house. And just like you're saying, we started talking and, uh, you know, I asked you where you were from. And when you, when you said Cuba, I said, really? I said, you know, and so I got intrigued in his story at that time. And so so now how long you been working for DirecTV and, and that, I was that working type of work? For- like like three years, uh-huh. and then that guy he lost the contract with Directv when AT and T bought Directv. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. He lost the contract, mm-hmm. so he opened another company with Consolidated Communication. Right. And but by that time I was the last guy to get uh-huh. there, so he couldn't take me with him. Okay. Just a few opens there, so but he called me two years later. Mm-hmm. And he say, I, I still working directly all the time, mm-hmm. but through AT&T. So sure. my English was getting better, right. better with the days. And he said, are you want to come with me here to consolidate? I said, of course I want to go with you. Right. The first, I, I didn't even think about it because that person gave me. The he was looking out for you already. Yes. Before, yeah. He, he gave me the opportunity of my life. Right. So I, I, I got his back. Right. <laughs> right. So I went there and it was, it has been pretty pleasant for me working here. Um, so mostly since you've been here, then you've been, you, how long after you got here did you start working for DirecTV, would you say? Was, I would say like a year and a half. Maybe. About a year and a half. So yes. you were working whatever job you could get. Yes. Until that, until okay. that opportunity yep. came to work with DirecTV. Yep. And then how long did it take for your wife to get here after you? Yeah, let's go back and talk about her. Like six months. Yeah. Uh, okay. One day, well, at that time, um, there's no, like, today's day that you can call by WhatsApp or, like, Facebook or right. Messenger. It's just got to buy a car and mm-hmm. you got to put the money in the, there and then you can call them. Okay. It, so, communication wasn't too good. Right. And we, I talked to her maybe, like, three times a week because I wasn't getting enough money to right. be able to make that because it was expensive. Right. right. Expensive to talk more. So, right. um, but one day she said, well, I know your friends are building, building a boat. Uh, I go in there with them. I say, are you crazy? <laughs> 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 I mean, because we sit down all the time. 
we hear those stories all the time. People making boats. And making boats, yeah. Yeah, and they're not making it here. So let's go back right. and talk about your wife a little bit. Was she from the same town that yes, you grew up? Yes, same okay. town. We actually married. I actually married her when I started working. Mm-hmm. We, um, we were working the same warehouse. Okay. So that's where we met there. Okay. Um, Is she the same age as you about? or She's a little bit older than me. Okay. Yeah, she's three years older. She's um, 37 now. Uh-huh. I'm 34. So. We, by the way, we invited uh, Jorge's wife to come today, but uh, she, she wasn't scared. She wasn't as, as comfortable speaking English sure. uh, as, sure. as Jorge. Yeah, she's kind of scared. She, her English is not too good. It's not like me. Yeah. Um, I guess I have to. I had to learning. <laughs> right, you had you you, so, had, you got thrown in the. I deep was kind of forced. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I'm glad. So, but she had a similar kind of uh, upbringing as you. Yes, though. yes, we had the same. Um, I mean, we got to do the same thing to to survive there. Right. So was there, was she from a larger family or a small family too? Or no, not? actually, he's uh, she's from a small family. Is um, her mom and three sister. Okay. Okay. Her dad never take care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually here today's days. Okay. And now today's day, they're talking a little bit more. Uh huh. But he never take care of her. So he was kind of abandoned them. Yes, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just her, uh, two sister, and her mom. Also, mm-hmm. which they're still in Cuba. She's the only here. She's the only one here. Yeah. So you you made the trip, and you sent back word. Then when you got here, that hey, I made it here safely. How long from from Ecuador to Laredo? How many how many days weeks? Exactly a month. One month. Exactly. So from from Ecuador to Laredo. Actually, from Cuba, I get out Cuba November third, uh-huh. and I get here December December third. Oh, okay. So all the way from Cuba from Cuba to, to Ecuador through okay. Central America to and Mexico one, one month, month to get yeah. here. And then and then once you started working and everything, where were you living? Were you still living with that that cousin's friend? Or? No. Um, when when we start working that warehouse um, was in Katy, okay, and they used to live on Southwest Houston, Southwest Houston. So we had to find an um, apartment close in Katy. Mm-hmm. So we moved there. Me and my cousin, we moved there. Uh, it was really cheap, around five hundred bucks. <laughs> okay, you found a cheap apartment yeah. to, to stay in. Yeah. So we used to get like it was I believe it was like seven something, seven fifty nine mm-hmm. an hour. Okay. But that time was really low, but enough for us. To so you're making seven fifty an hour. Yeah. But uh, and but uh, we, you and your cousin together. Yep. Yep. So it was enough for us to enough for you to live on. Pay the rent and just get food and clothes, and just normal life. Right. Did you have a car then, or did you? We bought a car together. Okay. Because you was a four and ninety eight four Sprinter. Okay. Cost us two thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> so was I called the car Ilario. <laughs> we, put the, we put the name. Right. Yeah, we some some of us name our cars too. So. Yeah, well, we do too. So <laughs> So yeah, it was I mean my first car was a dream. Dream right. come true. So, so you you were you're living the American dream even though you're making 7.59 an hour. Yes, sir. But to you it was it was amazing compared to what you had yeah, back I, in Cuba. Yeah, I got nothing there. Right. And, uh, not so, only that I got nothing is that I have no dreams to get anything. So. Yeah, no way to no, <laughs> no way, way to, to go, go forward. So your yeah. wife then says, "Okay, I want to be there with you." 
And uh, I know these people making a boat, and I'm coming. And I come and, and say, and, no, you, you're not. You try to talk her out of it, yeah. I said, I tell her, no, you're not. I say, well, I'm going. <laughs> and, so, so, and then I start telling, telling her the true story is what can happen. And right. she say, I don't care. That's my that's my way out, and I, I have to try it. Right. I say, well, I will wait for you here. So can, what, can you tell us about that? What she, you know, it, it was a, it's kind of a homemade boat of some kind? Homemade boat. I mean. What they, do they make it out of? They make it with, with anything they can, like foam. Like wood, oh. and they put a car engine on it. A car engine, okay. <laughs> oh no! Yes, yes. Wow. Man, the the way that they, they had to be um, some way how to cool the engine, right? Uh huh. So that hot water that was getting inside the engine was getting inside the same boat when it wasn't here. So the, because the, the water they, just went into the boat. Yes. So I had to take that hot water out of the boat. So they're all, bailing water out of the boat. All the trip. Right. It took them 20 hours from Havana to Marquesa Keys. Wow. It's, it's the Keys of Florida. So yes. That's, uh, Florida Keys. Marquesa. Oh, my goodness. 20 and, hours. Okay. So, and this How is your were... wife and your daughter? No, too? no, no. No, just no, your just wife. my wife. Okay. Yes. My, my youngest daughter born, born here. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's right. Okay. So how, how many were in the boat with her? Do you know? 23 persons. She was Oh, all, my goodness. She all, I wasn't at an 18-footer. 18-foot oh, boat, 23 people. people. Yes. And she was the only woman. Only woman. Which kind of helped her a little bit because everyone's They were looking out for her. her. Yep. Yeah. So. And how long, uh, tell us again, how long did it take? 20 hours. 20 hours. Wow. Yeah. And all the time having to bail hot water out of the bottom of the all boat. The, all the time. Wow. There was a moment that the same engine uh, got stuck with one of the backpacks. Oh, in the middle of the sea. <laughs> so, the, the, it, 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 the, like the backpack got caught up in the yes. mechanism of the engine? So, it took them like an hour to try to fix it. Hopefully, wow. they, they were, was able to fix it, and they started getting the way again. Wow. But that's one of the main problems. That's how many people died in that trip there. Because yeah, I've heard of a lot of people dying trying to make it across. I mean, a lot. Right. Because hmm. we actually, we met some uh, Cubans and when, when she already got here, we met some Cubans that get out 30, 30 person on the boat. Uh-huh. And only 15 made it. Oh, wow. Because it was drifting for like 20 days uh, on the sea. And they, they was basically just jumping the bodies of the, of the mm. boats. Oh, oh, wow. It was pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. So what does the government do once they reach the Keys? Once you... The United States government. Yeah. Yes. Um, actually... Like the same law that used to be for us when we reached the border. Yeah. Um, it calls, I guess in English, is wet, dry. Uh, I mean, foot dry, foot wet, something like that. Yeah. In Spanish, it means like pies secos, pies mojados. Okay. So that- if you got one foot dry, yes. If you on, on basically the, the what, what that means is that once you put your foot on the land, you are allowed to ask for asylum. Right. Wow. Ah, uh, okay. Sometimes they would catch boats. If they catch in, you in the sea, yeah. they would turn you back. They turn you around. Mm. Okay. So okay. That that doesn't exist anymore. Actually, mm. Obama, the last day in office, took the law off. Mm. Okay. So. Wow. So. Um, she was able to make it straight to the land. And 
So she got to the Florida Keys. Yes. And it, did she let you? How did was she able to let you know that she made it? No, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I, they, they have no communication, no cell phones, no anything. Uh-huh. Oh my so, goodness! So uh, they say, or she said that it was a plane going around them. Uh huh. That she may, uh, or they may alert the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. So they came. The Coast Guard. Okay, they came straight to the land and they pick the, pick up them. Right. And they took it to the to the I guess. To Miami. Okay. That's where they start processing them. I see. So the Coast Guard picked them up. They got to the Florida Keys yes. with your on American soil. Yes. All right. We'll take. We'll pick you up and take you in and start processing. So she came through Miami. Yes. Yes. And so did she call you from there? Or did yeah, she, she called me from there. Okay. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, she called me from there. Um, oh. And so, actually, I did drive from here to Miami mm-hmm. to get her and bring it back. To, right to here. That's a long drive. But you, in, you, my, you, in, my, in my 98 Ford Explorer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But better than the boat she oh, came yeah. in oh, yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And you can stop wow. for food. So she... Yeah. Uh, restrooms, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So she, you knew she was going to try to come. You Maybe you didn't know exactly when. But uh, that's the other thing, that everything needs to be in secret yeah. there. Because the government is, is funny. The government don't want you to leave. Yeah. But then they want you to go back. Right. Because they want you to bring bring back money right. to the country. Yeah. So it's like a double standard. Yeah. yeah. A double standard. That's a good way of putting it. Yep. So, yeah, it's... Okay. It's pretty... So I imagine that was a happy reunion when you were... Oh, yeah. I was working when she called me. Yeah. <laughs> I was working when she called me and she said, I'm here. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> See, I just don't think that we realize, you know, I got these kids that have grown up and they, they just don't realize how, how good we have it. And we, right. you know, we've struggled with money and we've struggled, you know, but we've always had, we were never afraid of the government. We have always had the opportunity. We, you know, if you yeah. want it to work, you could work. And you could make a living. I mean, mm-hmm. not everybody. I mean, sometimes t- things are tough. And I know that the standard, the cost of living is higher than minimum wage. But um, well, but if you're able to work, you can make it. Right. Uh, that's something that I learned here. As long as you can work, as long as you go out every day and work, you can make your life up. Right. I mean, um, I came here with like, I said no English, no friends, or just a few friends, but no families. And five dollars. Five dollars in my pocket. Right. <laughs> and now I'm I speak English. I got family here. Um I'm I'm not rich, but but I am able to make a life. But right. rich is, is relative. Yes. You are yeah. rich. Yeah. You are rich. So was there any repercussions for your family back home? No. No, that's no. good. No. That's good. Like I say, it's a, it's, it's a double standard. Yeah. Once you, once you are out, they just don't care. They just want you to go back and send money to them. Right. Okay. So. They don't want you to leave, but they do want you to send money back when yes. you get here. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how they survive. That's actually how, that's how they're surviving. Because in the beginning, you were saying that uh, sure was one of the main uh Auction to get money in Kiva. Right. And they destroy Tourism. all the plants. Yeah. Oh, sugar. Oh, yes. Yeah. They, yeah. Des- they destroy everything. Oh. So Kiva doesn't. The communists do- did. Yeah. They, they actually don't, don't export sugar anymore. Wow. 
What do they grow now? Do they do they have collective that's, farms? Or? That's one of the problems. They don't uh, produce anything. Really? That's it one is, way for the government to control the yes, people. They don't produce anything. Are there still farmers that like have small farms or anything like They're that? They're small farms, but like Just try to subsist on their own or what? But the thing is, for example, for a farmer, when they um when they produce something, mm-hmm. they have to sell that to the government mm. by the law. They can't sell them to where they want to. They, they can't. Can. Yeah, have to sell it to the government to at the, the government's government. price. And then the government sell to the people. So they they got to sell that produce to the government really, really cheap. Mm-hmm. And then the government resell to the people really, really expensive. So there's no incentive then for farmers really to work hard no. and improve their land and, you know, only, improve, cult, improve production yeah, or anything? The only way they do it is just... Illegally, yeah, which is just selling their own produce mm-hmm. to a different person, right? A black but, market again. Yeah. But the government, for the government, does illegal. Yeah, interesting. Yep. Now you wow. you you said that your sister just came last month, then. Actually, yes. Uh, it's, a, it's that's kind of a funny story uh, <laughs> because she came exactly, or she get out of Cuba exactly the same day, like I did, but. Nine years later. Nine years later, right? Okay. Same day. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to the United States the same day that, that I you- get here. <laughs> <laughs> now, did she come the way you did? Little bit. A little bit different, but through Ecuador? Yes. No. She, no, okay. She went to Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Okay. So it's kind of more close. Yeah. Um, now, Nicaragua is the way to the Cubans get out. Right. So they fly to Nicaragua and then the same this is smuggling to get here. Right. But now there's signs that's not allowed that allows you to go straight to the uh, border patrol. They mm-hmm. got to smuggle them into the country. Once right. they are into the country, they find an agent, border patrol agent, and then right. they turn themselves in. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh, so they have to get across the border this yes. time. Right. Yes. Okay. Once they actually be here, yes, not, actually not, be not, here. To, not at a border checkpoint, but yep. actually get here yep. across the river somehow and, and then say, I'm seeking asylum from Cuba. Yep. So it's a little, little more difficult. Oh, yeah. Um, and and I just want to go back to that, that point I made that this is, this is dangerous. Uh, we do have stories, new <coughs> stories uh, popping up from time to time, usually in the summer months where uh, a truck, a box truck or a semi-trailer yeah. – will have been abandoned by a coyote or somebody working for the coyote, and it's full of people right. who are locked That's in, happened. and they die of of, uh, just of the heat and no water and dehydration, things like that. Or um, or a lot of these people are um, made into slaves, yep. basically. You know, yep. uh, you've got the massage, you know, quote-unquote massage parlors yep. that employ the women that, that they have to work there. And uh, and it's a, a hmm. you know, yeah, it, it's just really bad. Human and so, trafficking, yeah, 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 human trafficking. Human trafficking so for can... me as an immigrant is one of the main problems of our society. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's really bad in any ways because there is good people searching for a better life, right? And there is bad people that are trying to make bad life to somebody else. Right. right. And all ones get in the same package. So it's hard to tell you 
who is who. Right. When right. everyone comes in the same, uh, the same truck, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's really hard. It's really hard for us as an immigrant um, to make it and to demonstrate that we are good. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Cuban community here in the United States, we right now we have a fight against uh, the people who are coming that used to support the government, in the right. people who's, who used to um, trade uh, the opposition in Cuba. Those people who are trying to get in here, they're actually in here, and we are fighting against that. So you're trying to point them out, wait a minute, yes. these people were causing the problems back there while yes. we had to leave. Yes. Interesting. So uh, it's... I guess it got to be a way to control who is getting in uh, in right. every country. Like right now, they sh- they just changed a lot for Cubans, Venezuelans, and um, I believe it's for Haiti too. Uh-huh. That you can, uh, like I was telling you before, you can sponsor someone back in Cuba. So yeah, you're able to sponsor somebody and bring yes, them here. I'm bringing him. No, what need- do you have to do to, sh- to be able to sponsor them? Just show the government that you are able to support them. Show the United ah. States government yes. you're able to support this. Yes. You're trying to do that with your older daughter. Yes, I'm tra- that's what I'm trying to do. Basically, uh, what they call is a humanitarian parole. That's, uh-huh. that's how they get out. Right. Humanitarian uh, parole. Okay. So when they get here with that parole, they start doing all the process to get the work permission. Right. Then the green card and then the citizenship. Right. So. That's a way. That's a. That's actually. I see it. It's a good way. It's a way. I guess. Right. It's a way to make a process go through. That's good. I think that you know, there's not any easy solutions, you know, no. to the oh, no. whole no, immigration problem. You know, because there are definitely people that have very difficult lives who yep. are willing to work and want to come, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a matter of. Uh, well, I don't have the solution, you know, but it's, yeah. no, you know, right, it's, it's something right. our, it's really our country struggles with. Well, I think, and, you know. and at the same time, you got somebody that that's just absolutely a criminal, right? And yeah. and so they, you know, they come here and they do their thing here. They get sent back. They do their thing there. They, you yeah. know, and they bounce back and forth, right? Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. So, and I, I just looked this up because I, I knew I had read it somewhere. Um. And again, I, I don't have any answer or anything like that, and we don't want to bring politics into all of it because right. nobody has a real true answer for this, but yep. there are more slaves today than ever before in the history of the world. Uh, there are currently about 50 million people worldwide in modern slavery and wow. that, that, that due to trafficking, Human trafficking. Uh, and not just through immigration or taking a, taking advantage of people that want to immigrate. But What's that website you're uh, this is, Oh, that's a good. Thank you for <laughs> reminding me. This is international labor organization. Uh, so it's ILO.org yeah. that says that. Um, I mean, and, and people enter into human slavery in different ways, but yeah. immigration is definitely one of the uh, biggest right. amount of people that, that are taken advantage of. So, Jorge, uh, you've, you've been here now 10 years, and uh, you've, you see the contrast from the system where you grew up and um, then from what system is here now and you told me when you were out of my house um, something about uh, you know sometimes we hear 
people calling for a more socialist uh, economic system in the United States. How, how do you re- react to that? I'm just going to tell you the, my, well, I guess my own experience on that point. I, I used to live in a socialist country. And I got no freedom. I got no hope. I got no dreams. Nothing. Um, that's why I like so much United States. And when you're born in a country like this, like you guys, and you don't realize what you get till you don't have it. Right. The value of the freedom that we got in here is just amazing. I mean, there's not money in the world that can buy that. And I tell you because I know how to live without freedom. I know how to live without my own thinking. Mm. I can't express it in Cuba. So when I see people pushing for that, it, it makes me mad and scared at the same time. Right. <laughs> because, like I said, you don't know what you got till you don't have it. And the problem is with the social names, which is going to turn to communists later on. When you get to that point, it's really hard to go back. You can't turn it around. You can't. Because huh. that when you get that point, they already have control over you. Mm. So it's, it's better not to get there. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you been back to Cuba? Yes, twice. Okay. Um, the last time was in 2020 was for a week, was for my daughter's birthday. Um, what what does it feel like when you go back there? It feels strange. Uh, for us, the immigrants, uh, I used to say that you don't belong there and you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of, it's tough. Right. It's tough because special dates, special days like Christmas, like holidays, like oh. New Year, like birthdays, right. like. I'm alone here. Just my wife and my mm-hmm. daughter, all my family. Well, I got now now my sister. Right. Um, but there's just my family, my friends. There's there's two in Cuba. Right. So, and uh, when I get there, it's like I'm happy and I'm excited to see them. Right. But when I start looking, it's sad. Sure. It's sad how bad things in there. Uh, it's sad the way that they. Use the clothes, the cars, the streets, mm-hmm. the buildings. Nothing changed. Still no, the same. No maintenance or anything. Still the same. Yeah. Same ugly, poor stuff. Like, it's expecting a little bit of change, right? right? That's what life is about. Just keep going. You expect things to improve a little bit. Yes, but it doesn't. Not, nothing at all. Mm. Uh, I just saw my dad and my mom just more all. Mm. And it's still there, the same apartment, same same bed, same TV. I mean, same thing sad. you left. Same thing I left. It's sad. Mm. It's really sad. Mm. Or is there anything else you'd like to uh, like to add? Anything that we haven't asked that you wish we had, or anything that you want to say uh, uh, about your story, your experience? Uh, uh, I, I I just want to say that I'm so proud to be here. I'm so thankful to be in the United States. This country opens me the door and give me hope 
again, or I would say for the first time, and makes me dream again with a better life for me, my family, my daughters. I can't be more happy, and I just want to, I just want people to think about it a little bit, about what we got in here, and how about we need to protect it. Mm. We need, we need it. We need that freedom. We need that right to speak, to say whatever we want to say, because that's, that's really big. Right. Um, really thankful with you guys to give me the opportunity to <laughs> tell my story. You're making oh. us all tear up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much Absolutely. for no, coming no, here and telling us it's, telling it's your story. It's my pleasure. Um, I guess that's one of my ways to fight back okay. against all the socialists and the communists that for years uh, have been killing people back in my country. Mm. And you were saying there, Cuba was the first country in America, and mm -hmm. they start supporting that. Mm -hmm. They're supporting to Venezuela, for right. example. Right. Venezuela used to be one of the most rich country in the whole America. They squandered it, haven't they? Uh, look what they got now. Yeah. It just don't work. Right. It just don't work. Hmm. Jorge Tarot, amazing story. Thank you so much. No, my pleasure. It's my pleasure to be here. Phil here, reminding you to check out. Our Facebook and Instagram pages at Remnants2 Podcast. Drop us an email or stay curious at remnants2.com just to say hi or let us know about any topics you would like to hear us cover in an upcoming episode. Remnants2 is a part of Rook and Raven Ventures and is created by me, Leah Lamp. Dr. Stephen Meeker and I research, write, and host each episode along with commentary by our audio producer, Philip Sinkville. Theme music is by Kevin McLeod with voiceover by Morgan Hughes. Special thanks goes out to Judy Meeker. Harbin Gold and Jorge. Yes. Thank you. Now, before you go, please hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. Head on over to Apple Music and leave us a review. We love seeing those reviews. Share Remnant Stew with your friends and your family. Until next time, remember to choose to be kind and, and always stay curious. curious.